Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm not a betting man, but for those that are, there's betonline.ag. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you're looking for a place to bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag, and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Y'all know I'm a Houston Rockets fan, so I had to shout out Rockets big man Boogie Cousins. Did you know he has his own comedy show? It's called Boogie's Comedy Slam. I got a chance to watch it over the holidays, and it was hilarious. Steph Curry and several NBA players are in the crowd getting roasted. Mike Epps was the host and it features other funny comedians too, including Gary Owen and Carlos Miller. I believe it's streaming on Amazon Prime, and now available for free on Tubi TV. Go check out Boogie's Comedy Slam. Y'all, it's that time for another episode of the Believe in Kentucky podcast, the Believe Podcast Network, alongside Double Zero, the UK Athletics Hall of Famer, Tony Depp. My name is Vinny Hardy. What's up, T.D.? Nothing much, man. Nothing much. Just uh, another day on, on the, I guess, on the right side. So I'm enjoying life and I'm not complaining about it. Absolutely. And we got a super duper legend on here, man. It's BBN Royalty. We got two MOPs. You the MOP of the 96 tournament. We got the MOP of the 78 tournament. Lexington native, Brian Station's finest. We're talking about the goose number 21, Jack Givens in here, TD. Yeah, man. Hey, the legend. The legend is in the building, as they say. Man, it's, it's, it's getting deep in here, man. I don't know. <laughs> I got to watch where I'm stepping. Hey, uh, but, man. <laughs> but it's good to be on with y'all, man. It's, it really is. Man, like I say, he, he's always been a mentor, someone I've, I've always looked up to, especially, you know, when I found out who he was, where he, uh, where he came from, and just him, just Jack being just an unbelievable guy, man. And you know, we have we've had so many great players come through the program, but when you have a homegrown player, I mean, it's it's a little bit different because they understand the temperature of the city. Mm-hmm. And you know, I went through some struggles when I first got there. You know, and it's always tough when you come from a different state and you try to get implemented to a a different 
environment. And that's the one thing I can say about having guys like Jack and, and Rex and Kenny, man, those, those guys were always there for us former, for us young guys coming in. And you know, we couldn't have had any better ambassador than the guys that was there. Well, um, you know, we, we, uh, the guys who came along in my era, um, you're talking about uh, how different it was for you coming in, even though I grew up uh, just 15 minutes from the university it was fairly diff different for me too, because, uh, you know, we were just on the verge of African-Americans coming, even going to the University of Kentucky to play basketball. Um, you know, when I went there, uh, there were only, uh, there were three other guys on the team and uh, <laughs> one was uh, a sophomore when I was a freshman or two of them were. So it was all just really, really new stuff. So we had to make a lot of adjustments as well. Right. Uh, 15 minutes away, we didn't know the university. I mean, we knew of it. Um, when I was a, a, a kid, I mean, I never thought about having the opportunity to play there. Uh, when I was, you know, 11, 12, 5th, 6th, 7th grade, and then on even into to middle school. So, um, you know, it, it was uh, it was different for us, too. But one thing for sure is uh, the older I get, uh, the more I appreciate guys like yourself, guys who played after me. And a lot of things we've been able to accomplish um, for the university and through the university has been fun to watch. So that's why uh, I take a special interest in all the young guys who came after me. Uh, because I know uh, you guys are seeking, you guys are trying to find. I remember watching you play and <laughs> just sitting there with pride as I saw uh, saw your game develop over your career. So right. it, it's been a lot of fun uh, uh, being a part of it. And, and I'm, I'm still very proud of you for all the great things you're doing now. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. And, uh, you know, th thinking back to 78, I know you won that championship back then. Mm -hmm. uh, before you before you even got to University of Kentucky, was there like another team? Let's say if you hadn't gone to Kentucky, who who's your second school of choice? Well, um, you won't believe this uh, because you, you'll you know when I say it, you'll know uh, what I mean. But my second choice was actually uh, at University of Tennessee. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, because uh, growing up in in the in the housing project where I grew up, uh, not having a car, not I mean, I was scared to fly, so I wouldn't get on a plane to go anywhere. Uh, really, uh, the only places I could go were uh, schools within a certain distance of Lexington. So I got on a Greyhound bus. And uh, I took the Greyhound bus down to Knoxville, man, you know, uh, that three hour trip from Lexington. Um, and back then it was a little bit longer because the roads weren't great, but I, uh, and the bus was stopping. So it probably turned into stops, five to seven stops on the way. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So it probably turned into a five or six hour trip, but um, I went down to Tennessee um, and really had a great visit. Ray Mears was coaching there at that time. Stu Aberdeen was the assistant. Al Davis was there. So they brought me in and, and, and really treated me well. Mm -hmm. And uh, if today was, uh, uh, if Ben was like it is today, I might have done an early signing and gone and uh, signed with Tennessee. But uh, wow. uh, fortunately, that didn't happen. And uh, right. I had an opportunity to, 
to go to the University of Kentucky, but Tennessee was my second choice. I probably would have looked down the road to Louisville as uh, as another one as well. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I just gotta jump. There's a to talk about all the similarities that you guys have. I just you might have already talked about this throughout the years, but both of y'all were, you know, Mr. Bas- basketballs from your home state. Jack from Kentucky, Tony, you from Tennessee. Uh, Jack is in the Kentucky Athletics Hall of Fame. Tony, you're in the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Both of y'all in the UK, UK Athletics Hall of Fame. As we mentioned at the beginning, both of y'all the most outstanding players of the 78 and 96 tournament, respectively. And both of y'all went in the first round as a 16th pick in the NBA. I didn't know that. <laughs> and, and, and I I didn't know that either. Um, you know, hey, 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 like I said, man, man, man Maybe that's the reason I like my my, my guy Jack, man. We, we got so many, so many things in common. There's so many similarities, and you know, and and what we did and where we came from. That you know, when you when you come in contact with someone that you feel good about, honest, and and, and it's a good person, you know, it it speaks volume for you know how we were raised, you know, and also mm-hmm. just us growing into you know from young men to men, and you know when you surround yourself with with good people, I always say great things are going to happen. You know, that's the one thing, even as, as I've gotten uh, Jack and, and Ethan D, I've gotten more into this youth basketball. You know, I, I think every program would love to have elite players, but I've kind of got out of elite players, man. I'm like, what about the guys who, who right on the fence? You mm-hmm. know, how can we inspire those kids and give those kids a chance and opportunity? Because sometimes with elite, it's always – every parent and their, you know, they become a headache to me. I'm like, yeah, yeah. every every kid think that, every parent think their kid's going to the pro. I'm like, no, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's a process and there's different levels to get to. But when you can be humble and you come from humble beginnings, I always said it's always going to be a blessing ahead of you. It's going to be a blessing that's going to come at some point in time. You got to just go through the process and be willing to be a great listener. Yeah, and, and you know, Tony, there are so many of those... Uh, on the fence kids out there that unfortunately, because they don't necessarily get the, um, the, the push from someone like yourself uh, to this side of the fence, they fall off on the other side. And, uh, you know, it's just a shame that uh, so many of those kind of kids uh, are, are lost, if you will, and, uh, and never get an opportunity because they uh, they're just their influences are coming from uh, a negative area as opposed to a positive area, and I, I think you will uh, say the same thing. In that, uh, we were very, very blessed to have families who yes. cared about us, families who stuck in there with us, man, families who really didn't have a whole lot. Right. Uh, although we didn't know they didn't, we didn't have a whole lot. We did. We did what we did. I thought we had money, but until I really got out of college, I was like, man, how did I, how did we survive? Cause you know, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, I, I always, I don't think V know the story, but my mom or dad couldn't drive. So we didn't have a car growing up. So yeah. when it came time to go to these different practices and AAU tournaments, I always had to get a ride with someone. And I look back, I was telling the story to a group of kids and they said, they said, what did your, did your mom and dad license get suspended? I was like, no, I said, they just <laughs> learned how to drive. You know, back then it was more about, being on the farm and, you know, picking cotton and having your kids help you, uh, you know, uh, farm. But for the most part, I say it taught me just how to to use my bike to, to get different places. 
we we back then, you know, you could walk to somebody's neighborhood or ride your bike to their neighborhood. And I said we would play basketball in the backyard or go to a park and play basketball. We, we really found places like like we improvised where a lot of these kids it has to be organized. Parents have to drive them here. Yeah. They can't get to places like back in the day when we we could hop on our bike, man. We might ride 20, 30 minutes to play basketball, ride another 30 minutes, an hour, go play basketball again and try to get home before the streetlight came on. So it's it's, yeah. it's it's a different time for us, you know, watching this generation. But I say, you know, we really had to go and achieve something that this generation, most of them have been handed, it's been handed to them. Yeah, and, and you know you you're pretty fortunate because you're talking about bicycles and things, man. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, we didn't even have a bicycle, man. If we wanted oh, to go, if we wanted <laughs> if we wanted to go somewhere and it was outside of the walking distance, which was a long way. Uh, if the bus didn't go there, we didn't go. And, and you're talking about Benny. He he really won't understand never having a, a TV in the house, man. He won't. He can't even go there and think about no, not I, having a TV. I mean, we didn't have that when we were young. Uh, but you know, I'm not. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, man, what a great way to uh, to grow up. Because yeah. and 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 the real reason why I cherish all of those memories. Um, from back when I was a, a, a little kid and, and I'm in the process of writing a book now. So I tell a lot of these kind of stories. Uh, but when you do get something, you really, really appreciate it, man. It's not like, oh man, I'm just getting another bike. It's like, I got a bike and I, and I didn't get my first bike until after I got out of University of Kentucky. But oh I, some of that was by choice, just simply because I finally was able to scrape together enough uh, to get a little bit of a vehicle where I could halfway get around. But uh, mm. yeah, those were good ways to grow up, man. I love those days. Now, speaking of growing up, Jack, I just got to ask, who was your, your favorite college player growing up and your favorite pro player when you were growing up in Lexington? You know, it's interesting, man, uh, because since growing up, when I mean, I'm talking about when I was a young guy, not once I got to high school, it changed a little bit. But but growing up as a, a kid, because we didn't have a TV and, and there wasn't ESPN and all this other stuff where you have games on every day, all day long, I couldn't see a game. I really didn't follow sports that much. I was a pretty good baseball player and I enjoyed uh, playing baseball. But I just didn't get an opportunity to watch a lot of sports on TV. That game of the week on Sunday afternoon uh, is good, uh, but you don't know it because you don't have a TV to watch it. So, uh, but as I got a little bit older, I, I wanted to be Kareem, uh, who was Lou Alcindor, uh, changed to Kareem. I wanted to be him more than anything. And, and I'd get out in the yard and I'd try to shoot that sky hook. Um, uh, and, and I continued to love him until uh, uh, we played the Lakers and uh, he blocked my first two or three shots. And I said, man, this dude ain't all that good. You know, I've been looking up, looking up at him all this time and I now he won't even let me get a shot off, you know. But, um, but I, I, I really liked his game and tried my best to uh, uh, kind of pattern myself at him. Now, he wasn't a shooter. He wasn't a kind of kind of player I was, but I really liked his game. Jack, I always, I always found it, and even I'm finding it hard right now with you being a left-handed player. Like, I always thought that was, for me, it was 
you were a player that was a left-handed player was always the hardest player for me to guard because I was yeah. so guarded right-handed player. So do you think that gave you an advantage to, you know, as an offensive player when you was going against even elite defenders because you was really, you know, I looked at the versatility of your game, but just being left-handed, do you think that gave you a little bit more advantage than, uh, than most players? Uh, it was absolutely an advantage. I mean, you just think about it. How many left-handed players as a kid, um, uh, before you got to college, of course, how many left-handed players did you go against? You don't go against many. I saw one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so you get used to uh, kind of forcing people, uh, right-handed guards or right-handed players. You want to force them to the left because that's generally their weak hand. So uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of guys I play against until, you know, late in the game or, or they think, man, I didn't know you were left-handed. I say, yeah, and, and I don't tell them because I want you to keep forcing me to the left, man, because that's where all my my points came from. But it was it was a definite advantage, no question about that. You know, you know what's so funny before V, I asked you this question, man. So I got dunked on a couple times in high school, and I think the worst the worst came from a left-handed player. Yeah. So he's coming down, he's coming down the left side, and I'm thinking he's right-handed. You know, I'm yeah. like, man, it's right-handed. So I totally jumped with both hands up in the air and I shielded his right side. So I'm yeah. like, I got him. Yeah. When I tell you dunked on man, I was like, dude, I was like, like, like people will tell you, I know he was left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how much that happens, man. And even, even though the scouting report says he's a lefty. Yeah. Even though the scouting report tells you that, it's like it just doesn't register. You think, well, he's left-handed. There's no difference guarding a lefty or righty. I mean, you know, uh, but as you as you find out, there's a lot of difference because uh, that forcing him left is to a strong hand, and it really comes into the advantage of the left-handed player. And also, I think from an instinct standpoint, you're so used to guarding guys and being able to cut them off, but when someone really accelerates that way, and they're strong going that way. I say it's, it's a different speed, you know, and mm -hmm. especially with my academy here in Atlanta, I probably have, I want to say about 10 to 15 left-handed kids. Like I actually trained three kids, three high school players, a lady, a sophomore, and a junior, all a left. And I say very seldom do you see three or four left-handed oh, yeah. yeah. at the same time. And I can put you probably – in the gym were probably 10 to 15 left-handed kids. And I was like, man, I never I never saw this growing up. And the only player that I played against was, he was probably three years old and he was our point guard and he was left-handed. And he was just, he he, he looked different. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. cause I'm so used to seeing right-handed play. I'm like, there's something different about his game. And all along it was him being left-handed. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, you know, I like to tell people that uh, left-handed shooters shoot it sweeter and look better shooting it than the right-handed players. I mean, now that's not true, but it's just so different. I mean, it looks different, um, but um, it just is what it is. But I always say, man, you, you got to learn how to shoot with that left hand. You'll look a whole lot better. <laughs> I mean, the jump shot, Ken Griffey's baseball swing. I think you got something there, Jack. The lefties, it does look a little... <laughs> A little nicer, and up. I mean, and I think uh, as Tony just talked about, it, it really is an advantage. I mean, and you mentioned baseball. I mean, you know, if you've got a, a left-handed hitter, 
that, that's a commodity, man. If you've got a guy who can hit it well from that side of the plate. So um, there are just not a lot of us out there. And, uh, you know, it just makes it a little bit different when you're you, across one. I think pitching too, because, you no, know, I think Vinny and I before, you know, we talked about the big yeah, unit. Exactly. You know? I mean, he threw some real heat, man. You talking about 100 miles per hour, a left-handed, a left-handed pitcher, that's scary. You know, just uh, the magnitude of you know coming off that coming off that mound six nine, and then you throwing that kind of heat, and and you don't see that many. You you know you see it now. You see pitchers that that pitching you know hundred miles per hour, but when it's six nine, yeah, and you know that dude is throwing some heat behind it, and if it hits you, man, like hey, you might have a concussion. Like you you might be out for a few days if he hits you with that pitch. But you know, I, I think like I said, it's just a, it's it's a, it's special, you know pretty much on all levels of sports, you know, from high school to college to NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA. Exactly. It's different. Yeah, exactly. Jack, man, I was going up through BigBlueHistory.net, man, pulling up some stats and stuff. And you had, if I count it right, 20 double-doubles, man. And, and I don't know. I didn't know that about you. I mean, all throughout your career, you would mix in some double doubles or be right at a lot of double doubles, man. That was yeah. You know what, man? Um, you know, I played primarily. I'm only six five. I mean, I'm a little guy, yeah. and I played the small forward, which uh, uh, a six five guy probably couldn't do today because you know most of those guys are six eight, six nine. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Durant kind of guys who 6'11", but can shoot it. And, um, but yeah, so that, that kept me around the basket a lot. Um, I learned a long time ago that uh, if you are able to rebound the ball on the offensive end of the floor, if you get offensive rebounds, you're either going to get a bucket or you're going to get fouled. Either way, it turns into points. So I was a pretty good offensive rebounder uh, just simply because you got fed by getting them, you know, and um, I just was around the basket. I had to guard bigger guys. I'm one of the old, old from the old school. I tried to screen out more so than out jump people because usually every night I was guarding someone taller than me. So I had to make it work. Um, now, the guys who I played with may not want to admit this, but I got a lot of assists too. <laughs> you know, they'll say Jack shot it every time, you know, every time he got it. But if you, uh, and someone told me this, so I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, uh, sure that I'm right. But someone told me if you, if you uh, take my points and then you add my rebounds and then you add my assists, and I don't know how they figured it out. But they said I was responsible for more points uh, than anyone who uh, who ever played there because I got points off of assists as well. So now I'm just repeating what I heard. I'm not smart enough to calculate all that stuff, but but that's what they say. But yeah, I I, I enjoyed rebounding the basketball, especially on the offensive end because yes, you usually get awarded rewarded for getting them. Absolutely, that's kind of how I was in high school where. When I when I finally when I found it, I was like, man, you know what? You could actually there ain't no play for this. You get the ball and and you know once you get it and you quick up with the uh, you know quick to score or you pass it back out, you know. And I, and I kind of found it, you know, as I speak to kids, I say, you know, it's a 
it's a hidden a hidden way to a hidden agenda to score that most people don't even know. And mm -hmm. they think you always got to shoot the three on the outside. I said, man, listen, there are a lot of shots being missed. I say, I say great, great field goal percentage for guards will probably be about 45 to 46. I say, so there's a lot of missed shots. Yeah. You yeah. figure out how to trace the ball and track it down. And I say, especially when you know who your personnel is, you know, your guys can't shoot the ball. So, you know, when, it, when the shot goes up, chances are it's going to be a rebound. You yeah. just got to get it. And a lot of times it's as simple as uh, as following the shot. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of you see guys now shoot the ball and and they turn around running the other way. It's a long rebound, and if you just step in instead of stepping back, you're going to get another opportunity to shoot the basketball. So, uh, and you're like me. I mean, you're a fundamentals kind of guy. I mean, you want to teach those kids fundamentals first. I mean. The three-point shot, man, it's going to come as you get bigger, stronger. It'll it'll get there, but that mid-range game and the free throw line and offensive rebounds, putbacks, that's where the that's where the big numbers are. Mm -hmm. Now that you say that, that was that was my next question. If the three-point line had been there when you were at UK, would you have drifted out there and shot a few? And the second part. Would Coach Hall have let you drift out there and shoot some? <laughs> yeah, and you and you know that's a that's a good question because um, uh, you know it, it was said about Coach Hall. Uh, uh, he said Coach Hall couldn't couldn't own a bank, and they would say, "Well, why not?" He said, "Well, he doesn't let the guard shoot. So if somebody comes in to rob you, you know, he wouldn't let the guard shoot, man." Uh, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I mean, I I um, I know I would have. Um, it was, it, and it sort of depends on when it came in, how soon before I got there, because some of the coaches like Coach Hall and Bobby Knight and some of these other coaches who were legends and had been around a long time, they didn't adjust to the three point shot very well. And they worked to try to get it out of the game as opposed to bringing it in. And, and, and they, they really were against it until teams started to beat them with it. And they figured, well, we better go on and let these guys shoot so we can stay in games. But I would like to have had the three point line. It would have given me more opportunities uh, to score, but uh, we had a lot of guys around in those days who could flat shoot the basketball. So uh, you know, you talk about Cal Macy, you talk about Jay Shadler. You, I mean, we can go Truman Clater, who was on our championship team. Uh, you can go all the way up and down the line um, uh, to find a lot of great shooters, uh, even before me, who would have uh, uh, flourished with the three-point line. And then, and just speaking of that championship game, um, you know, how did you feel coming into the game? I know you had your semifinal game. Mm -hmm. But to prepare for a championship game is totally different. You know, I know my mindset was, you know, man, you know, this is the last game. And, you know, there was some pressure that we felt. Uh, was there any pressure back in 78 as y'all was playing in that national championship game? Oh, man, there was there was all kind of pressure uh, on us the entire season. Uh, there was pressure. I mean, it had been 20 years uh, between uh, – uh, the time I was there and the time uh, they got the uh, we won. So it was 20 years. The fans were, and they were extra, extra hungry for a national championship. Uh, 
Coach Hall had come in two or three years before and to replace Adolph Rupp. So he was, his neck was on the chopping block. Um, I mean, it was, it was all kind of pressure. I mean, they, they, our nickname, you know, you got the fabulous five and you got the unforgettables and you got all these uh, 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 nicknames for all these teams. Our nickname was the team that had no fun. It's, it's hard to fit that on a t-shirt, man, you know, but we would nickname the team that had no fun because we were so businesslike. I mean, right. you got to understand we had been there and, and won and come in second um, to UCLA my freshman year. So we knew what it was like to get to the final game. Right. Uh, my sophomore year, we won, we won the NIT, which was at that time, big, because 64 teams were not in the NCAA tournament, only one representative from each conference and a few at-large teams. So we won the NIT um, my sophomore year. My junior year, we missed the Final Four by one game. We lost to uh, North Carolina in the finals of the uh, East region. We lost to Carolina. So we were knocking on the door to get back to the big dance. And right. uh, so we, we focused, we stayed uh, within the team. So we were nicknamed the, the team that had no fun, but it was because of the players, not so much right. anything else, but there was pressure and there was pressure to win. Uh, so uh, going into that final four uh, and particularly, I mean, particularly the last game, because uh you know, my junior, my uh, semifinal game, we played Sidney Moncrief, who you know. Uh, okay. uh, so we played Sid and those guys at Arkansas who were really, really good. I mean, they were really good. Uh, uh, they had the three musketeers, and all of them could score buckets, man. Three guards, offense, which always gave us trouble because we were big guys. Right. But they ran the three-guard offense, so... But once I got past Arkansas, uh, we, we played well. I had a good game, 20, I don't know, 25, 26 points in that one. I don't know what it was, but uh, we got to the final game against Duke. And Duke was young. Um, they had Spinarco and Jeminski and Gene Banks and uh, Kenny Denard. They had all these really, really good young players, but I was as confident going into that game that we could beat that team than I was any game throughout uh, the course of my career. Wow. And, I, and I know that's, uh, uh, that's very easy to say now that it's over and done, but it's, a real, it's really the truth. I mean, I felt like we would win. And when you have that kind of confidence and if you're focused in on the challenge, uh, you have pretty good results. I, I didn't know going in, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be that good for me, but uh, I, I was fairly sure we were going to win that game. And like TD, you know, y'all have made so many great plays, created so many memories for the fans. I'm sure all these years later, no doubt, y'all still have fans coming up. TD talking about that four-point play against Syracuse, talking about your 41 against Duke, because that's what – is burned into their minds. But for you all, what's y'all's most memorable play there or game at Kentucky? That might be totally different than what the fans keep coming up and, and saying to y'all. 
You go first, Jack. You got well, it. Well, my my favorite game, uh, you know, and and of course, everybody plays to win a championship. So, you know, you have to have that up there. I mean, I that and and particularly because I was a senior, it was the very last. Uh, college game for the University of Kentucky. So that's up there. There's no question about it. But my freshman year, uh, our first road trip was at Bloomington oh. at IU. And man, I, I was, we were playing that game. And listen, we got beat every way a team can possibly beat another team. I mean, the score was the best thing about that game and we lost by about 28. I mean, we lost big wow. and that was about the best thing. I mean, they beat us physically, man. Uh, Bobby Knight uh, and Joe B uh, face to face and have court. They, I mean, I thought we were gonna have to fight to get out of that building. But they beat us so bad, man. Bobby Knight smacked Joe Hall in the back of the head as he walked away. I mean, it was serious. Huh? But that's a true story, then. That's a true story. I mean, it was it was serious business, man. Um, I mean, Bobby Knight uh, uh, and Joe B, they used to fish together. They used to be best friends. Wow. Uh, but from that, that obviously that day on when a man smacks you in the back of the head, you know, it changes the relationship. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we lost that game. Well, we had an opportunity. They were in the Mideast region with us, with Kentucky, Indiana, Kentucky. And the finals of that Mideast region came down to Kentucky and Indiana. Indiana ranked number one, undefeated, hadn't nobody come close. Um, and then we were number one. I mean, they were number one. We were maybe number three. We were in the top five. I mean, so uh, we went into that game, Tony, and you're talking about nervous. Now, I don't get nervous very often, <laughs> but for that game, and i tell you why I, I was really nervous, uh, is because I had to guard Scott May, who was uh, six, eight, chiseled, just, a, a, I mean, just a, a, you know, good and great player, shoot the rock, score points. Uh, and, and when I played them in Bloomington, one of my first shots, I put a move on and went to the basket. I think, man, I'm good for this. Went to the basket. And I don't know where he came from, but he blocked the shot. It came down about half court. Quinn Buckner picked it up and threw it down to Kent Benson and Kent Benson flushed it, man. The crowd went crazy. I was running down the floor next to Scott May and he looked over at me and he said, boy, said, don't you bring that weak S word. Don't you bring that weak stuff in here no more, man. And I looked at him like, oh, man, how am I going to get through this, you know? Uh, so I didn't want any piece of him after that. But, man, we we beat them in that game. Um, it was like a four, six-point, four-point game, maybe two-point game. I mean, it was a great, great, great ball club. We a ball game. We had seven seniors on that team. And I mean, for the seniors, it was their national championship to get another shot at IU. Um, and, and we got on the bus after the game. Uh, Coach Hall's Coach Hall's speech, pregame speech, um, was something like he had three things on the board: rebound, uh, play defense. And number three, the third one was 
don't cut your hand on the rim when with the scissors when you're cutting down the net. <laughs> I mean, that was that was number three. He said, be careful. And then he's talking, he said, be careful with those scissors now. Don't, don't, don't cut your hand when you're cutting down the net. You know, and that was just, I mean, it was awesome, man. I mean, and 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 I didn't want any part of it. I played and played all right, but it was all about the seniors. Yeah. And then the real good thing is once we came from Dayton, Ohio, we crossed the line coming into Kentucky. And there was this line of police cars and they shut down the whole whole interstate i-75 <laughs> and we fell in line and they brought us down that interstate all the way to memorial coliseum every overpass we went, went under fans were up waving they had signs made you look over in the field on this farm and they'd have big signs up and and and, and they'd be talking i mean waving and yeah you know i mean that was the best experience of my uh college basketball career it's, it's funny too but because just even you speaking like that brings chills to to my body man and and, oh. and i i think for myself it would probably have to be the LSU game where we were down 31. Exactly, yeah. I, I didn't have a great game. I was off two really good games. I was coming off two really good games. And it was it was just so ironic that, you know, at halftime, you know, Coach is like, he's going off. You know, he's, I mean, beyond furious at us. But he was saying, he was like, listen, he said, for you, it was myself, Walter McCarty, Jerry Prick, he said, it's going to be the the worst day of your life. And I'm thinking to myself, like, man, them four-hour practice, it couldn't get any worse. He's like, no, sir. <laughs> said, Tony, you better transfer to Memphis, Walter McCarthy, Indiana, Jerry Prickett, West Virginia, Roger Rose, Seton Hall. He said, because tomorrow, he said, uh, it's going to be like like no other day you've ever seen in, in, your, in your life. And I'm oh, thinking, wow. like, <laughs> so I'm telling the guys, like, man, hey, let's get this thing down to 20 points. I said, 20 would be respect, because that would have been the third – that would have been our third loss in a row. Lost to Syracuse at the Carrier Dome, lost to Arkansas mm. and Bud Walton. So this would have been our third loss. And I was like, man, let's get this thing down to 20. So we got it down to 20. You know, we still had a lot of time left. I'm like, I said, if it get, we get it down to 10, he probably won't let us, he probably gonna practice <laughs> hard. We can't stay all night though. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. we just kept making threes. And before I knew it, you know, it was like a two or three point game with a few minutes ago. And I was like, so I could see how they were tensing up. Like if the pressure kind of fell back on them because the yeah. pressure off of us, you know, we did what we were supposed to do, cut that lead down and make it respectable. But then it came down to, you know, a play that I'll never forget, you know, Walt McCarty being my roommate. I remember that strong side drive, his man left. I kick it to him in the corner. He is the three to put, put us up. And it was only a few minutes left before we knew it, you know, I think I made a free throw. Travis Ford made two free throws, and we won the game. And I'm thinking to myself, we just back in the locker room because that was the – I think it was like a triple hitter. So that game went off like around 11, 30, 12. And most of the people who were Kentucky fans, you know, being out 31 or 15 minutes ago, I'm going to bed. My yeah, mom – Excuse my mom was like, baby, I love you, but uh, we went to sleep last night. And <laughs> this morning, we was like, there is no way they won the game. So for me, that will have to be my most memorable game. Uh, that's a fun one to think back on. It sure is. Uh, Jack, I know you said that y'all were the team that had no fun, all that pressure your senior year to win it in 78. But 
there was some good music in 77, 78. So I just want to know who, I mean, you got the Commodore, you got the Emotions. Who was that Givens listening to? What record was you playing in 77, 78? I got to know. Hey, man, I was listening to all of that. Listen, I'm still, I was then, and I still am a Motown guy. So <laughs> anybody, Stevie, any of them who uh, were on the scene, that's what you would find now on my eight track. You know, you won't you won't know anything about that either. But that's what you would find, man. Uh, you know, uh, I like Motown. Um, I did like uh, like average white band. Some of those kind of people who threw some good stuff out every now and then. Um, I did like all of those, but uh, just all Aretha, all of the Motown uh, men and women of Motown were were uh, folks who I listened to. Jack, tell me, tell us, like, what's your thoughts on this UK team this year? Well, you know what I've, I've uh, watched and and I do the pregame show. So I've had an opportunity to see a number of practices and I'm at every game, uh, a home game. I watch the ones uh, on the on the, on the road. You know, uh, and, and, and I would like to get your opinion on this, but I'm a firm believer, man, that um, coaches coach mm. and coaches teach, you know, position, uh, right. philosophy. Here's how we're going to play this situation, that situation, all of those kind of things. But, but my opinion, the way guys learn, really learn to play on this level is by going against guys in practice who are who've been there, done that, experienced guys who know how, I mean, that's, I mean, you got to stop Tony Delk every day in practice. Uh, you better get uh, to where you can play some defense because if you don't, you're never going to get a minute because you're going to keep looking bad. You've got these big guys banging you, pushing you. You're not going against walk-ons every day, nothing against walk-ons, but the competition is what you want to get. And that's how guys learn to play. Well, we don't have any of those guys on this team where you can go out there every day and get your head banged against, uh, have to prove that you're better than that guy or else you're not going to get minutes. That's how you learn to play. So for these guys who are young and who have no experience, um, it's just very difficult because everybody knows Kentucky. Everybody knows that this is an opportunity to get on the map, every opponent. So they, they lack experience. Uh, they have gotten better in some areas, but they still have a long way to go before they get to where uh, they're going to be beating people consistently. And I think that is a key. I think, you know, as I watched the play last night, when you just don't have that veteran leadership, you know, that's something that's really missed um, with this team than it has been with some of the other, some of the other younger teams. Because, you know, when you have one or two players that are, you know, still on the team, they know the system, they know the style, and they can relate that to some of the other guys. And they also can – they can teach. Yeah. But yep. it's hard when everybody's young. Everybody's yeah, trying to get acclimated to the collegiate game, and no one knows how to be a leader because I don't really know these guys as well. There's the chemistry was, you know, it's not there, but you know, comp competing and playing hard is great. But the guys on the other side have been together; they have chemistry. Because even just watching, you know, they have 
than watching Alabama play. John Petty is a senior, man. You can't you can't teach the experience. That's and right. that's what I saw last night. And when you're a senior, you playing against freshmen, you're supposed to take advantage of my I have more knowledge than you. I, I feel like I know more than you in this game of basketball. And it showed last night. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the other thing that uh, shows you're a veteran team um, is that you mentioned Petty, but you got to have guys around you who know that, man, I can always find him over in this corner, man. I don't care what happens. I can always find him on the right side of the floor because that's, and that you have a bell out. You have a, a, a purse you can penetrate and dish because you know from playing with them two, three years, he knows to be there because that's where I'm throwing the ball. So um, you have to be able to play uh, within the system. You have to be able to, uh, you have to understand that you're going to have to sacrifice your game at times to make sure we win the ball game. Yeah, I want to be the star, but there are times when it ain't me. It's got to be somebody else. So all the little things that only experience can teach uh, this team is uh, horribly lacking in those areas. Um, will they get better? Uh, they they will get better. They will win some games, but it, it's going to be a, a, a tough ride. I thought they were over the hump until last night against Alabama. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 th I thought they were over the hump. I thought they had learned that moving the ball and getting it to the open man, finding your guy in transition and be able to stop him, keep the ball, keep the man in front of you. Don't let him just drive to the basket like they were doing in December. I thought they were over the hump, but obviously it was a setback last night. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think some of that is, like you said, just having inexperienced players. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, a, a big road win over Florida, Florida, you can come back home and kind of take your foot off the gas and relax. You know, you're yeah. like, okay, we got three in a row. We're feeling good about ourselves. But once again, you won game from being back to, you know, where you were at the beginning of the season. And yes. Alabama, although, you know, they had a couple of players go down, Herb, you know, Herb went down. And so you're thinking that, okay, somebody is going to uplift this team, but we don't really have that that go-to guy, that guy that you can throw the ball to and say, get me a bucket, kind of like what Alabama had in Petty. And that's the difference in this team because you can't say how – throw the ball to one player and he can stop that run. We don't really have that one guy. That's that exactly stop right. That's exactly right. What they don't have is a Tony Delk who looks at a 30 point game and say, guys, let's just get it to 20. Yes. They don't yep. have a, a, a Tony Delk who says, okay, guys, man, we're right at 20. We ought to be able to get this to 10. And, uh, and then they come on board with you like your team did that LSU right. game you were talking about. You need somebody who don't, doesn't mind hurting a teammate's feelings. You know, oh. by telling him, by telling him, man, you know, you, you ain't getting it done, man. Come on, I need, we need to stop this guy. Uh, you know, but the only way you can get that trust is by playing together for a period of time. You can't get that when you have eight freshmen who have never been on the floor together <laughs> in tough situations. Yeah. And, uh, you just don't have that. So that this team is lacking in some of those areas. Right. Were, were y'all surprised to see so I would have thought Keon would have played the way he played last night against Florida 
and then maybe bounce back last yeah. night. But he had the good game, his first game back, and then struggled in his second game back. Did that surprise y'all? Yeah, I mean, it did me. I was very surprised he had the game he had in Florida. Um, but uh, I was not surprised that he had the game he had last night. Right. Uh, if you if you watched him closely, he did not have the lift uh, around. I mean, he you know where he was taking off, standing two feet under the basket. He he went up a couple of times from there and just flushed it. Last night, <laughs> he just didn't have the lift, man. And a, a, a lot of the number of his shots hit the front of the rim. So I, I could see him having that kind of game. But more than anything, I was really surprised how he played at Florida and he had that kind of energy. Oh, well, you know, we could we call those heavy legs, man. You know, them heavy legs after yeah, after you gave it all uh, oh, Saturday man. game, you got to come back, man. It, it, them legs feel a little bit different. But also I thought, you know, probably bringing him off the bench would have done him a little justice too. You know, maybe a couple more games of bringing him off the bench and, and not really throwing him out there and say, hey, we need you to perform like you performed Saturday because now that's added pressure to a guy who had hadn't, hadn't played any games. Yeah. So yeah. I would have been, I would have been, I would have told him like, hey, you know, we're gonna do the same kind of rotation that we did in Florida just to get your get your legs underneath you because when you start out the game, you know, you get you in the layup line, you you going hard because then you get ready to start, so you got to have that momentum as the ball goes up in the air. And I think once you know, that momentum comes, you know, if he were to sit down and watch the game for a little bit, get those legs back underneath him. And mm -hmm. then when you put him in the game, slowly bring him on. You just can't, because you had a great game Saturday, you can't just throw him out to say, Hey man, are you back to being who you were? I mean, we all know that we can look good in one game, but we still got to get the, the right reps, the right cardio, the right conditioning yeah. in order for us to be able to sustain that kind of play almost not in the back-to-back -back game, but just a game just a few days from when we just had our uh, had our last game. So it it takes time, and I think how they played, I thought the team was going to rely on him a little bit more because he had such a good game. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one reason why some of the other guys didn't play as well as they might normally play is because they were uh, looking at Keon uh, mm -hmm. to try to do more than what he was able to do. And I agree with you. Um, it's tough when uh, when you think about playing a game after being out all season and then starting them the next game. Uh, one of the real uh, uh, bad things or, or bad results of playing him is a guy like Lance Ware, who is a pretty decent rebounder and pretty muscular and strong inside. He didn't get to play at all last night. I mean, right. starting went from starter to not playing. So uh, it just kind of messed up the rotation. Right. Um, and when you're playing against a team like uh, Bama that has all those quick guards and uh, forwards who can move, it, it, it was a lot of tough matchups last night. And we, Tony, Jack and I were talking a little bit before you came on. They got a similar matchup with Auburn. They like to shoot a lot of threes. They got a lot of quick guards. It's going to be the same kind of game potentially if you're on the road, Auburn just played Alabama before they played Kentucky and they were at home. They scored 90 on Alabama. Mm -hmm. They did. Kentucky scored yeah. five last night against that same Alabama team. So uh, what kind of bounce back do you 
can we expect to see at Auburn, or is it going to be the same kind of situation again? Can will it get out of hand? If well, not- well, I think I think both teams, uh, Alabama and Auburn, they do a great job of spacing you out, and mm-hmm. they put so much pressure on the rim, you know, because they have guys that can, you know, like they can take you off the bounce, and they also have three point shooters, so you can't really shrink the court on a team that has three point shooters, and that's what Alabama brought to Lexington last night. They space the floor. They they play fast. They know who they who to get the ball to. They know who their go to guy is. And you can just see the game slowly getting away from Kentucky, you know. And that's the one thing that, you know, as I stated earlier, who can stop that run? I mean, I don't see anybody that can say, "Man, I'm about to go get two or three buckets in a row." They don't have that on their team. So, what we see is teams play. They play well when teams are not making threes. And unfortunately, Alabama was making threes. And if Auburn making threes. It could be the same result. Yeah, you know, the thing you always have to do at Auburn, uh, and if you don't, you're going to get run out of the gym, is you're going to have to match their energy. Mm. Uh, And that is always the case when Kentucky comes in. I mean, they get fired up when Kentucky comes. Uh, Bruce Pearl is there now, and, uh, you know, he's had some issues even from the time he was at Tennessee uh, with, with Kentucky. So he does a good job of getting the guys fired up. Uh, you know, I saw that Alabama Auburn game and, uh, yeah, I thought Auburn was going to win that one, but Alabama's as good as, as, uh, advertised, but if you don't match the energy and if you don't, if you let them start making those crazy threes, because they'll shoot them from half court. I mean, uh, if, if a guy gets hot, it's going to be another uh, long, long day for Kentucky. There's no doubt about that. Goose also does, for all the listeners, y'all already, probably already know, the, the pregame show on UK Sports Network before all the UK games with Buzz Baker. I think before the Notre Dame game, Jack, you said it, and Tony, you said it throughout several of these episodes. Tony, you always say that game days were like a day off. Jack, you said that the game days are a reward for all the stuff you have to go through in practice. So just want y'all to talk about that a little bit. Well, for me, uh, really from day one, um, practices, man, were tough. I mean, you had 10, 12, 13 guys, and all of them could play. Tony was in a lot of the same situation. Uh, and in practice, if you didn't make it tough for the guy you were playing against, I don't care if you're on the starting, if you're on the second team, if you're one of the walk-ons, if you didn't make it tough for the guy you were guarding, then you would be punished. Uh, and, and we just banged, man. I mean, we banged, banged, banged. And so for me, um, game days, man, I knew that I wouldn't, not in many cases, some cases, yes, but I knew I wouldn't face anybody that played any harder than what I had to put up with every day. So uh, I, I just look, looked forward to the games. We played hard. We did all we do. But, man, I didn't have to guard James Lee and get hit every time I go up for a shot, man, <laughs> with no free throws. <laughs> at least in the game you get a free throw too. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's always just it's always just cool hearing y'all talk about that how 
how hard and tough it is in practice to to the point where the game is just it's intense, but it's just it's like a little it's like a it's like a break. <laughs> Tony, you you probably experienced the same thing, man. He even got muted. TV. Yeah, Tony, Tony, you're muted. TV muted. Yeah, we had so many battles at practice. I think it just made us, you know, that much better. And just getting an opportunity to compete at that level every day. When you got a chance to go and play against, you know, Alabama, uh, Auburn, or Tennessee, is that you was already prepared for those uh, for yeah. those opponents based on how you practice, but also. If you don't practice hard, you know, the punishment for us was you're not playing. You're not getting any minutes during the game. So you know how excited we were to be on tele on, uh, have a televised game to see our family watching us. And how can we tell them that the reason why we're not playing is we didn't practice hard? <laughs> you know, so traditionally I try to tell guys yeah. you want to practice how you play most of the in most cases, you know what I'm saying? Like there are there have been played guys in the NBA, and and you can contest this too, Jack, is that they might not be great practice players, but they play well in the game, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know the guys that can do both, and then you know guys that are better probably at practicing, you know, guys who know how to put both together. And when you're younger, you really have to rely on scouting reports, knowing how to practice, knowing your own team personnel, but also knowing what your strengths are. How can I help my team? And then having a coach that the system works for you. And even as kids make decisions, and I said, you have to go where, you know, it's conducive to your strengths. And a coach sees what you do well. And when you practice a certain way and there's a system, it's easier to perform when you can stay in a system for three or four years, you know, and, and you know the personnel. I know the sets. I know the coach. The coach know what I do well. And those coaches, the great coaches, they play to your strengths. Yeah, yeah. I tell my, my kids who I <clears throat> I coach, and um, before we went on air, you met my grandson, and I even tell him, I said, there's always a reward if you outwork everybody else on the floor. <laughs> there's a reward waiting. It may not be what you want, but if I'm a coach and I know, man, if I don't get anything else, I know this kid's going to work hard for me, man. He's going to make up on who he's with or who he's uh, going against. If you outwork everybody else on the team, you're going to get rewarded. There's no way. Also, also, I think with, with kids is that, you know, and you played long enough to know, no coach ever had to tell me or said I didn't work hard. You know what I'm saying? Like I thought that was, that's the that worst thing you can. That's the worst thing you can say about a kid. Really, man. Like, like you, you, you attacking my game. You are attacking me as an individual. So when a coach told me, I'm like, you know, I took that personal, and I made sure I said, no coach would ever tell me I'm not working hard because that that was an attack to me as a person, my work ethic, and I knew how hard I worked. So TD, we got to tell before we let it let it go. Got to tell Jack about La Terrain. Man, hadn't got that in yet. Is uh, a watch company that sponsors the podcast, Jack. Uh, Tony got so much pull with La Terrain that they are making a custom Tony Delt watch, band watch, and everything. That's that's where Tony hey, is La Terrain, Jack. Hey, I want to be like Tony when I grow up, man. But let me hear about this now. <laughs> hey, no, you know what? Like I said, they got involved with with us uh, probably a couple of months ago, but 
I've been kind of dealing with them for probably six months, man. We just kind of got together and, you know, it was a cool watch company that uh, made nice time pieces. And we kind of sat down and kind of brainstormed about, you know, how I can help them and how they can help me. And as we're going into this year, I said, you know what, this is the 25th year of us having won a championship. Why don't I have a 25th annual, uh, 25th annual watch for, uh, for, our, for what we did, you know, back in 1996, you know, have that watch made not only for myself, but just for my teammates. I think that's the one great thing about, you know, being a, a unselfish person is that I, I thought about everybody that poured in, you know, the, the sweat, the hard work and, you know, let's do something for everyone. So mm -hmm. La Terrain was like, hey, you know what? Give us some ideas. And that's what I did. And hopefully in a couple of months, man, there were, uh, uh, I'll be able to give them my approval over a nice timepiece. Hey, hey, man, can you help a brother out, man? You know, give me a discount or something. I mean, you know. We got you, man. We got you, man. <laughs> hey, 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 my guy Dave, my guy Dave is listening to this. Hey, let's make sure we get Jack Goose given. Let's get him a timepiece. I'm going to be on top of that. Hey, tell tell him I'm on I'm on the I'm on the screen all the time. I do uh, my weekly uh, TV show. Hey, I right. can, you know I can wear that, and uh, you know, I got you, man. give hey, him a little bit of pull, man. Hey, as soon, soon as we get off this, as soon as we get off this, call, I'm just I'm just giving. I'm, I'm gonna time. make it. No, I'm gonna make it happen, man. We we, we gonna get you some nice, man. I'm gonna make it happen. <laughs> TD got some clout with La Terrain. LaTerrain.com, <laughs> y'all. So there you go. <laughs> Man, this has been awesome. Cause listen to y'all all day, all the knowledge, all the stories, all the experience, everything y'all mean to the Big Blue Nation. Man, just appreciate you taking the time, Jack. And Always appreciate you, TD. This was a no whole doubt, man. Oh, man. Zach, thanks for hey, thanks for coming on, man. I'll, well, I'm, I'll see I'm you happy down the road, my be, brother. I'm happy to be on, man. Thank you Thank all you for inviting me. Yeah. No doubt. Thank you so much. I'll take care, everybody. Believe.com. We'll post this up later tonight. Anywhere else you get your podcast, go to uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Give us those five stars. Put a comment and tell us that you enjoyed it. It just helps the podcast grow. And thanks again to the great. Goose given. Thanks, man. No Appreciate it, man. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Bye bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.